Well, good morning. You know, I did something yesterday I normally don't do. Um, I was not home by 8 o'clock in the evening. On a Saturday night, I used to try to be home by 8 and into bed by 9.30, so I'll be ready for Sunday. Well, yesterday, Leanne and I, uh, well, Friday, we drove up to Tuscaloosa, and uh, I got to do something I had never done before, and that was attend the Alabama-Tennessee game. It was incredible. Um, growing up a Florida State, <laughs> growing up a Florida State fan, I think you could put Dope Campbell Stadium right down in the middle of Bryant Denny and still have room. It was huge. Hundred thousand people were seated. Probably another hundred thousand were working the stadium. Another 200,000 were out in the quad or in places all over. It was a sea of crimson. And we're watching the game and we're pulling, I've got my crimson on. Leanne had her Bama mom shirt on. Jess was up in the far reaches of the student section. And it didn't start the way I had anticipated. As we were down 10 to 0 before we knew what happened. And I had told people before, I wasn't, I, I thought, you know, Alabama's going to win this game. It's not a problem. Well, I'm a Florida State fan. I don't know the history of Alabama and Tennessee. Well, it was a knockdown drag out. It was a well of a game, and it was loud. It was so loud. I, I mean, my ears are still ringing. It was so loud. Of course, Alabama comes back and wins the game. And as we're sitting there, kind of enjoying the moment, cheering roll tide, I began to smell something. And I'm like, somebody is smoking. And I started looking around, and I saw a guy behind me with a big old huge cigar. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. And then I looked around, and there were some other guys with cigars. And then I started looking, and there was a haze beginning to fill over the stadium. And I'm like, what is going on? Isn't there, like, no smoking in here? I had no idea of this tradition of the cigars in the Tennessee game. I was, I'm like, what is happening? Whew. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad Alabama won, and I think it spoke to me a little bit. It gave me a little bit of a glimpse of what it means to be thankful, to live with a sense of gratitude. Um, now that I'm kicking money into Tuscaloosa, I was thankful that they won so that more money will continue to come in <laughs> to Tuscaloosa. Um... It was incredible that there was this, this sense and this, this aura that was just overwhelming and overpowering in this sea of crimson. And it kind of it kind of gave me an image of probably what it may have felt like when David 
And, and when we read earlier in, this, in our psalm today, it's taken from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. If you go back into that story and kind of, kind of, kind of unpack what was happening, this was a huge moment in the life of Israel. Beginning in chapter 14, David is now the king and he has taken the city of Jerusalem and made it his own. It's, his, it's the capital city now and he's made it his capital. He's defeated the Philistines. He is now bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into the, into the city the capital city, into the midst of the people so that the people have this tangible el evidence, something they can touch, something that they can see and know is there, even though it's shrouded in a tent. The Ark of Covenant is in that tent, and, which means God is present with us in our capital city. As chapter 15 of First Chronicles closes and chapter 16 begins to open, we find David leading the procession, King David, leading the procession of the priests who are bringing in the ark. And the people are just there, and it's just an uproar. They're singing, there's dancing, there's instruments, there's just this noise. And there's David, dancing and leaping, scantily clad king. Dancing in the streets. His wife is not real happy. She's, a, she's embarrassed. She's ashamed of this king. How can he dare embarrass himself and the family? So unbecoming. Dancing in the middle of the street like that. Like a child. But David has a heart of God. And his heart is grateful. His heart, his posture in life is a, a posture of thankfulness. He is grateful for what God has done for the people of Israel. He is thankful for what God is doing for the people of Israel. He is thankful for what God is going to do. And he can do nothing other but dance and leap for joy. That's kind of what I got in Tuscaloosa yesterday. I wasn't dancing, I wasn't leaping, I wasn't embarrassing Ashland Blaze, the family. But there was just this overwhelming excitement. Another story that we have in front of us this morning is from 1 Samuel. Now Samuel, to understand this, to, to, Samuel is the last judge. We have the book of Judges. And Samuel is the last judge, which begins the book of 1 Samuel. He is called by God, and he's raised up and mentored by the priest Eli. Well, Eli's household was doing pretty well until his sons, the scoundrels, began to take advantage of their position, take advantage of the people of Israel. And so we begin to see Eli's stars beginning to go down. But Samuel's star is rising. He's becoming more and more important. And he has this circuit that he travels. And one of the stops on his circuit is called Mizpah. And Mizpah is, is, is Hebrew for the watchtower. Now keep that in mind. It's the watchtower. 
Well, as he arrives in Mizpah on one of his circuits, he calls the tribes of Israel together. Calls them, all 12 tribes, come in, we need to have a meeting. We've, we've got to do some things differently because what we're doing is not working. And so he calls the 12 tribes and he tells the elders of these 12 tribes, you need to get rid of all the idols and all the icons, all the astarts and all the bells out of the community. Get rid of them, trash them, destroy them. We don't need that anymore. We should never have had it, so get rid of it. And they did. They destroy all their false idols, all their false gods. And as a sign of that, we're told that they draw water out of the well. And they put it in a vessel, and Samuel pours the water out onto the ground. Now, water is pretty important for human survival, right? I mean, we have to have water. And back in that day, water was critical. Because you relied on wells when you could find them. You could rely on rain when it happened. He pours this water out as a sign of penitence and repentance. This element that is critical, critically important for human survival, for the survival of the people. He pours it out on the ground and say, today is a different day. Today we're going to live differently. And as a sign of that, we're pouring out this element that is critical and, and, and life-giving onto the ground. And we're going to trust God and God alone from here forward. Well, their old enemies, the Philistines, heard of this gathering of these 12 tribes, the Israelites. And they get a little worried. And so the warlords of these five city-states of the Philistines call together their armies. And they form into battle formations in the valley to prepare to fight the Israelites. Well, the Israelites are in the middle of their, of their ritual of, of, of renewal, of reform of repentance and penitence. And they, they're, not a, they're not ready to fight. They don't want to fight. They, they want to turn to God. And when they hear of the Philistines gathering up their armies and getting ready for war, they become afraid. And they tell Samuel, Samuel, you've got to pray for us. You've got to, you've got to ask God. You've got to intercede on our behalf because we're about to be wasted. We're about to be destroyed. Please ask God to help us. And we're told in, in 1 Samuel that Samuel prays and cries out to God on behalf of the people. And he takes a, a young, young lamb and he offers that young lamb as a, as a sacrifice, a burnt offering to God. To say, God, we offer you this. So the Philistines hear and see what's happening and they begin their attack. They begin to press in on the Israelites. And as this offering is being offered up to God, God, in a thundering, thundering sound, sends the Philistines into confusion and disarray. Their, their, their formations fall apart. They're totally, utterly confused. And the Israelites rush out. Their, their soldiers rush out to meet the Philistines. And they chase them all the way back to Philistia. All the way back to the city-states. And Samuel, when the battle was over, took a stone. And he lifted it up. 
And he said, here at the watchtower, we saw God. We saw God help us when we were threatened. We cried out and God saved us. This Ebenezer, which means rock of help. Samuel understood that God was their help. Only God was their help. God was all they needed. And if they were, if they were in relationship with God as they were called to be, then they would see it. If they would only obediently listen and, and offer their trust, a trust that would stake their lives on God and God alone, then they would feel that freedom to be who they were called to be. To be free, to be the, to be the Israelites, God's people. To serve God, love God, love one another. And when they sense that kind of freedom... All that's left is to be grateful. Just to have a posture of gratitude in life, no matter what comes. Not that, that the, the circumstances are going to be made better or happier, but we know we're grateful for God's presence in the middle of it. Just as Jill said, life is hard sometimes, but we can be grateful even in the hardest of times that God is with us. God is journeying with God is present. And God walks with us. Now, several years ago, a number of years ago, Leanne and I were living in Dothan, Alabama, and, and we lived there for 12 and a half years. And we had a home there. Um, um, Ellie moved into Dothan when she was not yet two, and Jess was born in Dothan. And then we decided to move to Fort Walton Beach, Florida after 12 and a half years. And I say we, really it was the bishop in his cabinet said, you're going to Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And we said, okay. So we left a life of 12 and a half years at First Methodist in Dothan. And we, we put new carpet in the house, this house we had been buying for 12 years. Put new carpet, put new paint, put new roof and put a for sale sign in the front yard. And we put our trust in God that it would sell. But I'm going to be honest with you, I was scared. I was afraid. I was really nervous. We we're leaving two incomes to go to one income and to leave a house that we were living in and was comfortable, and now we have to sell it. And if we don't sell it in time, we're going to be in dire straits. We're going to be in serious trouble. This could be a huge mistake. So we arrive in... In Fort Walton Beach at Trinity, I, I didn't even heard of Trinity. I didn't even know they existed. But we arrived there. My first Sunday, it was pouring down rain. I mean, it was thunder and lightning. and th Oh, it was just miserable. I'm like, oh, this is perfect omen. House for sale in Doth. There's probably sunshine over there. <laughs> and I'm walking through the hallways trying to get ready for that Sunday morning sermon. And it was my birthday, too. What a What a day. And I, this guy named Wayne, Wayne met me as I was walking the hallways. He goes, um, is your family coming? I said, I hope so. They're supposed to be. And he said, well, I'm going to keep an eye out for them. I'm going to make sure they have a place here in front so they don't get too wet. And I said, that'd be great. Appreciate that. And so he stood by the door until he saw a car he didn't recognize and a woman with two kids he didn't recognize. And he, he went out and got them. 
brought an umbrella out, brought them inside, made sure they had what they wanted, knew where the coffee was, knew where they were going to sit. He was a wonderful guy. He, had, he was a retired colonel in the Army. He served several tours in Vietnam, and he, he had um, cancer, probably from Agent Orange. He just was just this guy, but his life, his personality was bigger than life. It was, it was huge, and he could get anybody to do anything. You couldn't say no because he wouldn't let you say no. He was in charge of our usher team. He was the one who getting well, to get ushers. And he was a great guy to do that because if you came in twice, you were going to be an usher. <laughs> Wayne was amazing. He met me every Sunday morning to make sure I was okay and make sure that everybody was doing fine. And he would have a prayer for me every Sunday morning. And then one Monday morning he met me they was getting ready for what he called the prayer warriors. It was his prayer team. And they would meet every Monday morning in the library. And they would pray for all the concerns of the church and, and for our country and for its leaders. And just every, I mean, they just had an incredible folder. It was about this thick, prayer concerns. And they would spend over an hour together in prayer. And he came and got me because I want you to meet the prayer warriors. You need to meet this group. This is a wonderful group of people. I said, I'd love to meet them. And before we started walking down there, he said, I need to, I need to ask you something. I said, he said, are you, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm doing all right. He goes, are you adjusting? I said, yeah, I'm doing all right. How, how's the family? We're, we're, you know, kids are doing, they're enjoying summer, and Leanne's getting the house ready. And he said, well, how, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. He goes, no. How are you doing? I said, well, I've got this house in Dothan I really need to sell because I'm really worried about that thing. Um, we can't afford to keep going like this for very long. And he said, well, I want to I pray for that. I want to pray for you about that. I said, well, I appreciate it, Wayne. He goes, but I'm not going to pray that you sell, that God sells a house. I go, that'd be nice if he did. He goes, no, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm, we're going to pray. Uh, we're going to give God thanks that that house is sold. It's already sold. God's already handled it. And I said, well, I can go along with that. And so he prayed for me right there. That he's, and, and he began every prayer the same way. In the name of, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray for the Boykin family that this house, we give you thanks, God, for selling that house, taking care of this family. And then he took me down after that prayer. He took me down to the prayer wars in the library. And he said, we're going to pray for the Boykin family and the selling of that, that, that. We're going to give God thanks for selling that house. And I was like, okay. In about four weeks, that house was, all had an offer on it. I don't know that the prayer is what sold the house. I don't know that it wasn't the prayer that sold the house. What I do know is that Wayne lived a, lived a life of gratitude, a life of faith that allowed him to give thanks for what God has done, for what God is doing, and what God will do. No matter where we are in life, no matter where he was in life, he had this posture of gratitude. And it comes from faith, which allowed him freedom to be the Wayne that he was created and called to be. Which is a gift from God who was the living God who was present with us. 
in all times, good and bad. And that's gratitude. That's what we're called to do, what we're called to be. That's the people we are called to be. And when people see that, when life is awful, when life is hard, and we're still grateful for God's presence with us, we still find a sense of joy in living. Even when we know and we acknowledge that life is broken sometimes and life is crazy sometimes and, and life is loud sometimes, and we're still grateful. I was grateful to be in Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday afternoon, even when it was 10 to 0. Even when I was worried, I'm like, man... Todd, you can't let me down. I've been, talking, I've been talking some trash about this game. I was grateful to be there. In that stadium, when that was over, most of the people in there were grateful to be there. And maybe that's what the story of David dancing in the street can allow us to see. It's a posture of gratitude. And maybe Samuel lifting that Ebenezer to give thanks to God for his aid and his help. Maybe that's a glimpse into the life of gratitude and a posture of being thankful in life. Even when it looks bad. To know that God is with us. So that's my hope and my prayer for us as we make our way through this series. As, if we, have, as we come to acknowledge and, and come to attention that God is present with us, the living God who created everything and calls out to us and makes His presence known to us, we're left with the response of faith. A faith so strong, so trusting that we will stake our life upon it. Life upon God. Our entire life, our whole being, allows us to offer to God ourself. And when we do that, we find ourselves in freedom. Free to be God's people, to serve God's people, to be witnesses to the world that we are God's people. And when we're doing that, the world will see gratitude. That's an amazing testimony. Offered by David, offered by Samuel, offered by my friend Wayne, offered by the women who have been helping the children's ministry, offered by Laureen, offered by the bell choir, the choir, Valencia, beautiful job, offered by Alicia, wonderful job, and offered by you. Whenever we give thanks to God for life, for faith, and for our freedom to be God's people. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.